Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does it smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, kind of a busy weekend, giving way to kind of a busy Tuesday. A lot of uh, a lot of sports going on today, and for all of the top stories, Wolfing Down Your Lunch, here's Aaron Maloney. Aaron. So the Arizona Cardinals have named Monty Austin Fort their new general manager. Austin Fort comes to Arizona with 21 years of NFL experience. That includes 15 with the New England Patriots and the past three as director of player personnel with the Tennessee Titans. So during his time with New England, guys, Austin Fort helped the Patriots win four Super Bowl titles and earned seven Super Bowl appearances overall. In 21 total NFL seasons, his teams have earned postseason berths 16 times. So that's an impressive resume, if you if I do say so myself. But what championship traits did he learn from the Patriots? He discussed in his introductory press conference today. Yeah, and I think I think the big thing on that is a complete organizational alignment in what exactly it is that we're trying to do. And that, that goes through all levels of football operations. Um, that's a clear definition of not only what we're looking for in players, but what we're looking for in staff, what is asked of each individual person, what their role contributes to us winning games. And that permeates all levels of the organization. If your job is to catch touchdown passes or if your job is to tape ankles or to scout players or to prepare the food uh, it's it's every job is important and getting everybody on the same page and moving in those directions moving in that direction is the key of what i believe was a huge part of those successful new england teams what did you like from what you heard from Monty Austin Fort's introductory presser. Uh, I mean, there was there was a, a, a few different things, honestly, Wolf, that I liked, and I know I know on a day like today, all you can do is talk. You can't put it all into action yet. But uh, there was there was quite a bit. The two things that stand out to me were the unified message from top to bottom. You know, ownership, GM, coach. Everybody's got to be on the same page. That will permeate throughout the locker room. Get everybody on the same page. It didn't feel like everybody was always on the same page at times uh, last year. And the other thing, and I know we've talked about this, but the team success, that sort of mentality over individual ego because it just it doesn't work. And you've got to be the most talented player in the world for that to work. And the Cardinals went 4-13 and 13 last year, so none of it was working. You know, I talk about it all the time, strategy and tactics. And the strategy says what you're going to do. I love the fact that Monty said organizational alignment. That is the what. That is the strategy of culture. That's going to be our culture. We're going to be organizationally aligned from the very top to the very bottom. That's what we're going to be. That's culture. That's strategy. That says what? Now, how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to go out and we're going to look for people that are smart, tough, dependable, accountable, and mature. That's what we're going to do. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a player in the locker room or you're a receptionist walking around upstairs. It doesn't matter what you do. That's what you're going to be. That's tactically. That's on the how you're going to do it. 
how you're going to form this culture. You're going to bring smart, tough, dependable, accountable, and mature. I loved what he had to say. Just no loose ends. It felt like by the end of last season, a lot of things had frayed, and it feels like the one of the top priorities is just leaving nothing to chance and getting everybody on the same page this year, which is where you have to start. The struggles continued for the Suns yesterday as they fell to the Grizzlies 136-106. to The Suns are now 21-24. and That puts them 12th in the Western Conference. So what did Suns head coach Monty Williams tell his team after such a tough stretch? We just got to regroup and go back home. I mean, this is, you know, it's been a tough, tough stretch for us on a number of fronts. Uh, the wins and losses, um, the injuries. Uh, we lose J.O. tonight. He's playing his tail off, and then he gets hit in the nose. He's done for, for the night. Um, you don't have to be real deep about it. Uh, just pack it up and go home and get ready for the next one. Um, the thing that I I stress to our guys and I congratulate them and I tell them how grateful we are, we just don't quit. I mean, we weren't making shots, but guys kept playing hard and they continue to challenge each other. Um, we've been dealt a tough hand, you know, and everything you want's on the other side of hard. Man, you just got to keep going until you get past it. So our Sanderson-Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, where do you think the Suns finish at the end of the regular season? So your choices are in a top six spot, seven to ten in the play-in mix, or outside the top ten and out of the playoffs. I still think, Wolf, they're going to get healthy and get into a top six spot. But that's probably going to be like six, to be realistic. I, the team that, that's just hanging around, I don't understand how they're doing it entirely. Like, they're fun, but I don't understand how Sacramento, Sacramento. is 24-18. and 18. I knew you were going to say that. That's the one you're looking maybe would drop, or maybe the Clippers. But the Clippers are a good team. But, I mean, the reality is the Suns are in 12th, and they're behind Oklahoma City right now. And that is actually their record. It's not just, well, they'll be great. Okay, but their record right now is worse than Oklahoma City's. Yeah, I do believe at some point when the Suns get healthy, and I'm excited. Expecting them to get healthy sooner as opposed to later in the second half of the season here. I think, yeah, I think they're going to be right back in it in terms of not playing in a play-in game. I I think they're going to be right back in it in terms of being one of the top six seeds right there. I think, yeah, I I would expect them to do that once everybody gets healthy and they return. But to act like that's not in doubt right now? It's just out of the question. Well, and it's tough to find six teams where one of them is going to drop out. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes. tough to find somebody that's going to drop out of, of those top six spots. So, 51% say 7 to 10 in the play in mix. 27% say outside the top 10 and out of the playoffs. 22% say in a top six spot. Yeah. It's, Where's that button? Yeah, where is it? Oh. I left that in my car the other night and threw my bag into my car. It was at like midnight and that thing went off. And that's not something you expect to hear at like midnight in a parking lot. Rick's pushing it. Rick's Rick, pushing put it. That down. He's pushing it for the Washington Commanders, though. All right, we, we'll get more into the Suns here in just a minute. The countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun, and Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text SUPER to 620-620 to register and listen for your name. Starting February 6th, you can score a, pick, a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you're going to win tickets to the following events, the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, the Super Bowl Experience. So text SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. When we come back, the Suns are... 
are indeed 21 and 24. They're now 12th in the Western Conference. What should your concern level be and what can they do to fix it? It is past uh, January 15th. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. Kind of got into this there during Wolf and Down Your Lunch, but to go a little bit deeper. We are 45 games in. Right, Wolf, it is uh, January 17th. More on that in a second. The Western Conference has 11 teams ahead of the Suns, and then the Lakers are a half game behind them. You can go ahead and just set the Spurs and the Rockets aside. They clearly have their sights focused on Victor Wembanyama, so that's they, they're not part of the conversation. But it is 13 teams for six playoff spots and then four play-in spots. And right now the Suns are not they're, – they're, they're one game out of the play-in, and they're only two games out of a playoff spot. But the question is – how many of these teams can they catch? Like, I don't think they're catching Denver or Memphis or New Orleans. I think you can write those three teams off as far as I teams. I think you're right. And then Golden State's not in a playoff spot right now, so you figure they're probably going to take one of those two. So <laughs> You're expecting Golden State, once again, the Lazarus. Yes, I'm expecting them to get into effect. the top six. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I would have to agree with you right there. Are you concerned? This is what it comes down to. The Suns are 21 and 24. Ron Wolfley reporting. How concerned? Concerned are you where they sit right now? I think everybody anticipated once they had all these injuries that they were going to take a major hit, right? Was that stretch that we were talking about? You're going into the 10-game stretch on January 4th where the, the 10 opponents were a combined 68 games above 500. They are seven games into that stretch, and they're one and six. You know, you're coming home to bounce back like Monty Williams just said. Yeah, okay, I get it. But you're playing Brooklyn on Thursday. Do you, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and now they're kind of banged up too. So maybe it's not, you know, it's not the Brooklyn from a couple weeks ago. But anybody the Suns play, it really is not about who they're playing. It's themselves. It's about who's even on the floor it's, for the it's, Suns. It's exactly what it is to me right now. It's not about them. It's about the Phoenix Suns. That's why I'm not that out of my mind yet. I'm not that concerned yet. I'm not hitting the panic button yet. And the reason being is because there's still a lot of season left and they need to get healthy. Will they get healthy? That is the question. Nobody wants to see them in a playing game. Well, well, Nobody wants to see that. No, you don't. Um, but you don't. <laughs> if you're the Suns, do you really want to see Dallas in a play-in game? Do you want to be in a one-and-done scenario with Golden State right now, who is the seventh seed? I mean, do you really want to be in that position? I think we all expect when Devin Booker in particular comes back, this is going to start to turn. And when Booker and you know Chris Paul and Cam John, we actually have a starting lineup, which is, you know, a, a, I don't think too much to ask. They're going to start shooting back up the standings. But I always get nervous when you drop this far, like Brooklyn last year. I remember laughing at it. Brooklyn was was the title favorite, and they had lost 12 in a row. I was like, you don't lose 12 in a row and win a title, and they obviously did. Not different team, different personalities. But I just, you drop much further, and you're going to be relying on everybody coming back Everybody staying healthy, which I don't think is a given. Just because a guy comes back doesn't mean he's, well, you've got your injury out of the way early, so you're healthy for the rest of the year. And you are, at a certain point here, going to be relying on about an eight- or a nine-game winning streak to get back into the thick of things, which they're more than capable of doing. 
but they haven't done it yet. Everybody meshing and suddenly looking like, well, we've been around for 20 games now when they haven't. That, to me, is my concern, just how quickly they get these guys back and how much time they have to go out and rep this thing out. That's where you start to worry about this going forward for the Suns. And then there's this. It's DeAndre Ayton. It really is. DeAndre Ayton is going to hear of deals and not know if he's coming or going because January 15th, Basinonians, has come and gone. And now all of a sudden, you're going to start hearing about this. The grapevine is vast and varied, of course, in the NBA. You're going to hear an awful lot of talk. Not only that, but what about the deals DA's agent might be out there trying to orchestrate as well? Yeah. No, because they need his approval. Yeah. Um, from everything. How much of this is he going to be thinking of going forward? Everything. And I've what will it do to him? Heard. That's the question. He would be. He wouldn't stand in the way of a trade. Now, I don't know that that's 100% true with every team, but it, it certainly sounds like, depending who you talk to, if the Suns came up with a trade and they were like, we're going to move DA and we're going to trade DA to whoever, let's Atlanta, um, and it sounds like DA wouldn't be the guy that stands in the way of it because he can. He can still stand in the way of a trade until sure. mid-July. Um, now, I don't know if, you, if you're sending him to the worst team in the league if he would be on board. I don't know. But you're right. It is just another complicating factor when at this point you're just looking for everybody get back healthy and don't lose a game for three weeks. Okay, so maybe DA might stand up and say, you're not going to trade me to that team. No, I'm not going there. Don't do it. But what you're saying, if in fact you are true, and stop and think about this, he's a human being like anybody else. What if he is saying, yeah, I'm not going to nix a trade? What does that say about his position right now and how happy he is right now i don't know if he's saying that but that's the impression a lot of people seem to be getting exactly um if that is if that is the case if that is that that impression is actually legit think of what it must say about his state of mind and how is it impacting him right now how about the fact that the game that's coming up is the brooklyn game that everybody circled in the summer, and they were like, "Okay, DA's signed. When? When's the first game after the the you know December fifteenth? Okay, they got one. Okay, well now they got Brooklyn. They got Brooklyn that week. And remember, it was like, oh, Brooklyn's going to be a mess by then. I thought Brooklyn would be a mess by by now because because you got Kyrie Irving, and you always end up being a mess at some point. I still think they will eventually be a mess." But it was going to be like, boy, if you're Kevin Durant, you're looking around and you're being like, oh, look how good the Suns are on, on January 19th. And I'm still stuck here. And DA is tradable. It's not that at all. Brooklyn's, what, 12 games above 500? Yeah. They're second in the Eastern Conference. The Suns, it, it, I get it. It's a weird conversation. But their record, and especially their record over the last you know month and a half, they're 1-9 in their last 10. They're 2-12 in their last 14. They're 5-17 in their last 22. You're living in denial if you think everything's fine right now. They're five and seventeen in their last twenty-two. Yeah, you know, I so much of it though. I I can't even talk about them as a team based on what I see on the floor. Of course, Mikael Bridges, he was the the sole survivor of the starting five. Now Da is back, of course, but DeAndre Ayton, I. I don't know how a man who is seven foot tall with the athleticism and the incredible length of DeAndre Ayton goes out, plays 30 minutes, and has five rebounds in a game where they get killed on the glass. I'm sorry. 
I, I, I don't understand. You should it be immune so, to that as a team. It, it, Even playing Memphis, you should be like, you know what? We may lose this game. We're beat up. DA is going to have 18 rebounds. I, 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 I'm not even asking for 18. It's the fact he came down with five. And if you watch him, it's the how once again. It's the how. Man, it, I just wonder what all of this is doing to DA right now. Just the fact deals are going to be out there. He's got to be wondering, am I coming? Am I going? What kind of trade are they going to bring up to me? Uh, uh, What does my agent say in regard to orchestrating trades? Just thinking about everything that isn't basketball and getting better. The other dynamic here that I don't think any of us really expected was and I don't think he's getting traded during the season. You think there's a pretty good chance, and we'll see. I mean, he might. I don't think it's impossible. But but what's a dynamic that at least I didn't expect at this point was if he gets traded, he might get traded to a better team. You know what I mean? Like for the longest time, the talk was, okay, are they really, is that what DA wants? He wants to get traded to some terrible team, and it's just going to be his team, and he can miss the playoffs. The Suns aren't in a playoff spot right now. He might actually get traded to a better team if he gets traded. I know you could look at the record and say they're 21 and 24. Why in the world would they trade DeAndre Ayton again? Again. Sometimes it's addition through subtraction. I'm not saying that's what it is. I don't know, Basin Ornings. I'm not inside that locker room. But I will tell you right now, having a mad king, I've talked about it many, many times. It will impact not just one player, multiple players inside that locker room. Coaches inside that locker room. Front office personnel inside that locker room. It impacts a ton more than a couple of players here or there. I just think even if you want to trade them, you wouldn't get anywhere near equal value uh, during the season. But I might be wrong. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Cardinals introduced their new general manager today. So what do we learn about Monty Austin-Fort? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I want to turn this off. Doesn't matter what the topic is. If you play this song, Wolf will get distracted. We could be talking about the Cardinals getting fast-tracked into the Super Bowl this year because of some sort of weird clause in the NFL bylaws. And you'd be like, hold on, turn the song up. That's tunnel time music right there, my friends. That is tunnel time big time right there. All right, Monty. Words matter. Monty Austin for it. I'm I'm taking suggestions. People have... have, uh, sent me a few, texted me a few of, of how we're going to differentiate between Monty Austin Fort and Monty Williams yeah. without just saying their full names. Monty. Monty-o. I do like monty oh, That's okay. been thrown at me a few times. How about Monty or Monty? I mean, Monty <laughs> being Monty Williams and Monty being Monty Austin Fort. Think about what you just said and well, tell me okay. that wasn't confusing. Well, it, it wasn't. Just fast With forward. though, Monty. Fast forward to like three weeks from now, one of us is, <laughs> is referring to him as Monty, and somebody who didn't hear this is in their car like, these idiots don't even know his first name. Or the next time maybe we talk to him. Monty. Hey, Monty, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that would be problematic. That's work. Scratch that. Uh, Monty Austin Fort had his introductory press conference today. 
Um, he also joined us on the show after that, and I, there was a lot. There was a lot that he uh, he got into. Wolf, I think the uh, the the ego thing and the the one message from top to bottom in the organization. I think that's where everything starts. He said it a few times, like you said before. It was the first truly like impactful, definitive thing he said. It was very early in his press conference. Michael Bidwell backed him up on that, and and I'm not. Let's just say what everybody was thinking when they heard that, okay? I'm not saying that that was intended to be anything about Kyler Murray. It could be about unforeseen players that haven't even joined the team yet. But didn't every Cardinals fan, the, the what what player flashed into your mind when he said, we're not tolerating egos here? Everybody thought of the quarterback. Yeah, right I or thought wrong? Of That's D-Hop. what we all thought about. I'm no. sorry. And the reason why I say that with DeAndre Hopkins, you know how I feel about Hop. I love Hop, but at the same time, he doesn't practice. When I think of, of dependable... Um, you got to practice. When I think of accountable as well, you got to practice. You're going to hold yourself. See, leadership, once again, is about accountability. Accountability inside that locker room is so vital to having a good chemistry and a good culture inside that locker room. And if, in fact, you're not going out and practicing because it's just a thing you don't do. I'm sorry, I don't practice twice. A week. I, I don't do that. It's one time that I'm going to go out there. I'm going to give you one good one. Wednesday and Thursday are the two hard days right there. That's being accountable. You got to hold yourself to a standard you're not going to hold anyone else to. And yet, it's just the opposite there. Um, again, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that uh, I love how he plays. I love how he goes about his business out on the field. There, He has a leadership quality to him that I think is really different than anything I've ever seen. But it's undeniable that he does. It's one of the reasons why when I saw J.J. Watt and D-Hop hugging at the end of that Hard Knocks episode, that to me was a brilliant way to end it because it says so much about that relationship. Mm -hmm. Even though they're two different worlds for the most part, they're actually that type of person that they can see eye to eye and have that kind of relationship. I I love that. I think that's special, and that's what you need. But if you're not going to go out and be dependable and accountable by practicing every time you're able to practice, Matt, you're you're not going to be here. See, this is the thing that now it's one thing to say it, Luke, but now you've got to go out and back it up. You've got to do it. Yeah, this was not said to his friend or something. You know what I mean? Off the record. This was to the entire Red Sea. This was to the entire fan base. This was to the entire media market. Anybody that follows the Cardinals either heard or will hear what, what Monty Austin Ford said today. How, how, how do you not want to hear what the new GM has to say, right? That's where everything starts. And he went through, and we, we carried the uh, the press conference live. We got to talk to him on this show afterwards. But he went through at the start of the press conference. He thanked some people. He thanked Bill Belichick. He talked about his path to get here. But then, not too long into the press conference, he said this. I'm excited to embark on this next stage in Cardinals football. We're going to focus on a completely unified message across the general manager, the head coach, and ownership to what exactly we want to be as a football organization. We're going to institute a thorough and exhaustive scouting process. We are going to turn over every stone to find the right players for this team. We are not just collecting talent. We're going to build a team. Wow. Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. I love that. 
not just talent. We're not going to go ahead and just collect talent. We're going to build a team. We're going to build a team. That's what we're going to do. That's that's um that is something Bill Belichick would say. We're not going to just collect talent. We're not going to do that. And there is a real belief with the new age offense and the new age defense and the new age football and thinking. It just comes down to talent, 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 talent. That belief is out there. And it's wrong-headed because this is the game of football. And it's always going to be a very brutal game. It's not as brutal as when I played in 1985. I don't care when I played. It's still a brutal game. It is. Act like it is. And if you act like it is a brutal game, you're going to go out and find tough people to play it. Smart. Tough. Dependable. Accountable. Mature. Love it. That's culture. That's who you are. He went on to say ego will not be tolerated. It's not right there in that clip, but it was like five seconds later. And the the thing is, he, I thought he answered the questions really well. There was a lot of questions obviously asked of him, new GM. But that, what I just played right there, and when he went on to say ego will not be tolerated, that was prepared. You know what I mean? That wasn't like he kind of talked himself into a corner or said something maybe he didn't necessarily want to say in response to a question because it's spontaneous. That was a prepared statement of this is going to be about team. We're going to have a unified message. Ego will not be tolerated. I'm fascinated how much of that came from him and how much of that came from Michael Bidwell, who was here, and how much of that came from the players. Michael Bidwell was asked, you know, how much of of this is from the fact that you went and talked to some players? How much of that is is sort of impacting the, the, the plan now going forward. And um, here, this is what Michael Bidwell had to say. I think it is related, and uh, it was described in a different way. It was accountability. We need more accountability. And uh, that is something that Monty and I talked about, and it's, it's, it's clear that that's going to be an emphasis here, and that's what he just described is setting ego aside, and it's all about accountability to the team. So I think it's absolutely related. It's absolutely something our players are interested in, and, uh, and that, that, that was something I had in my mind mind when I was evaluating what a great talent evaluator Monty is, what a great leader is, what his work ethic and passion is around winning football. Uh, so that was something very important to me. And our players' uh, input uh, was very, you know, uh, had its impact. I mean, I knew that, but it was also good to see see and hear that from our players and then see that that's exactly what Monty Ossinport is about. Like I said earlier, Wolf, I, I listened to that whole press conference through the lens of what does Buda Baker think when he's hearing this is he is he approving and i feel like he approved with pretty much everything that was said there accountability it's so critical you have to have it you have to have accountability inside the locker room that ultimately is leadership that's what leadership is be accountable Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win those tickets. When we come back, what performances stood out during Wild Card Weekends? How about whatever happened in that Bengals game? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back to the NFL. 
couple games from the weekend we didn't really get too much before. Bengals-Ravens. I was surprised to see Tyler Huntley in a position to give the Ravens the lead pretty late in that game, Wolf, and then it turned into a 98-yard fumble recovery touchdown for the uh, Bengals, which is not not great. Sam Hubbard. I just want to play this clip of J.K. Dobbins after the game. Um, yeah, I'm just going to play it. it. It speaks for itself. I'm a guy that feels like if, if I want to feel it all the time, then I can help this team win. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, and it's the playoffs. Why am I not out there all the time? I should be the guy. I'm tired of holding that back. I'm tired of that. It's the playoffs. I'm tired of holding that back. Let's go win the game. I'm tired of holding back on that. I'm tired of that. Did you, like, did you say that to anybody? Yeah, that? I did. I'm tired of I'm tired of I'm tired of it. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of it. Like, I'm tired of it. Like, like I'm a playmaker. I'm a, I'm a guy that my teammates feed off me when I'm on the field. I should be out there all the time. You know what I'm saying? But that's just not the case how I go here. I was really waiting for the follow-up of, JK, are you tired of it? <laughs> but I think that wouldn't have gone well. Over and over. That's what it sounded over. like, right? Yeah. He said, I'm tired of it 11 times in 34 seconds. So I feel like he's tired of it. Yeah, the the Ravens outplayed the Bengals in a lot of things. I know, that was... But they really failed in the red zone. No, yeah. That's where they failed, man. Yeah, It's so critical. Playoff football, you better be good in the red zone. First downs, they had 23 to 18. Total yards, 364 for the Bengals. I mean, for the Ravens. 364 and 234 for the Bengals with Joe Burrow. Think about that for a minute. Passing. They had 209 to 183 yards passing for the Bengals. Rushing, as I said earlier, 155 yards rushing by the Ravens to 51. And yet the Ravens were 1 of 4 in the red zone. And the Bengals, 2 of 2. Ball game. All right, we've danced around the main game uh, long enough. We didn't get into this earlier, and uh, and so now we're, we're fully into this. Vikings-Giants. Vikings lose in the first round again. And I get the Vikings fan base is a tortured fan base, so I don't want to pile on. Don't. But, man, the reaction, and and I get it. Some of it is like, hey, we can trash our team. You can't. We've suffered through this. You can't. Vikings fans, and I know a pretty good amount of Vikings fans all season long were were somewhere between, okay, um, yeah, but we don't trust Kirk Cousins either. Or, you know what, nobody's taking us seriously. And when they came back against the Colts, you, that's when it seemed a flip of, you know what? Nobody believes in us. We're going to prove everybody wrong. When are you going to believe in Kirk Cousins? And my answer would be, when you win a playoff game. Whoa! No! I love Kirk Cousins. I really do. I like Kirk. I, I, I shouldn't say love. Such a strong word, my friends. I, I like Kirk Cousins. Yet I was yelling at Kirk Cousins <laughs> as well. Why, for throwing short on fourth down? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I <laughs> I thought this was going to be the most competitive game of the weekend, and guess what? I guessed right on that one. What a game. And it was contested from the jump. A one-possession game after each quarter. (laughs) That, to me... It was. It was a really good game. It really was. I loved it. But it was a team that had nothing to lose against a team that had everything to lose. I I see. See, to me, I just thought the opposite. What quarterback was going to balk first? Hey, there's a narrative surrounding Daniel Jones that isn't very nice coming into this season. There was a narrative surrounding him coming into this postseason as well. What quarterback was going to balk first? That was the question. Both, I thought, played really well. 
Both protected the ball well. Um, both put their team in position to win the game. And despite the reputation for the most part, and both had an awful lot to lose, I thought at least. I, I put this uh, out over the weekend, and, and look, Giants fans are fired up, and, and rightfully so. I actually kind of think they're going to beat the Eagles, too, to be honest. But we can get into that later on in the week. <laughs> I do. Um, and Daniel Jones won that, man. He, he, he won did, the battle. But I, I put this out over the weekend. If you had told me Daniel Jones was going to win playoff games before Kyler Murray, not a week ago, but when they were drafted, because they're from the same draft class, right? I wouldn't have believed you. Um, because I just I, Daniel Jones was was okay in college. Kyler Murray was the number one overall pick, won the Heisman. Like, there's a reason he was the number one overall pick. The Cardinals, the Giants hadn't won a playoff game in 11 years until yesterday, or until this weekend. So, if, I don't think I was alone thinking a year ago that Kyler Murray had a better chance to win a yes. playoff game before Daniel Jones. That's the reason the Giants are such a good story this year because Brian Dable came in and resurrected the career of a guy that honestly looked like he might be heading towards being a backup, like a career backup. <laughs> like he looked like he was probably going to go somewhere else, get a chance there. Right. And he couldn't get it there a year or two from now, he'd be a backup. And now it's like if you were drafting quarterbacks going forward, he's up there. Yes. He's like. What, top 10? He's, hey, listen, I was so happy for him. I love it. I love seeing people overcome obstacles. I think it's one of the best them. stories in the NFL this I year. I totally, that's a, that's a great observation by you. Um, everyone, gather on the transistor right now. Do you mind giving me a digital download from my cloud account? Just bring something down to me. Let me <laughs> riff just a little bit right here. There, oh, that's it. See, this is exactly the way one of these teams are feeling this morning. Not just the players, of course, based on things, but the fan base. It's the Kirk Cousins conundrum, Luke. The Cousinundrum? Um, don't, don't distract me. In one fell blow, Kirk Cousins would have the opportunity to destroy the knock against him, based on things. Two minutes and 56 seconds remained in the game. They were down seven points with 2.56 on the clock. 88 yards to go for a touchdown. No timeouts. Look, everybody, it's Kirk Cousins. And I feel bad for the dude. Can I just say that right now? This is a guy who was 31 of 39 for 273 yards. That's not a bad game. Had a couple of touchdowns and a rushing touchdown to boot. And he checked it down on a fourth and eight. That was odd. I mean, we talked about the great position for fifth down, though. If you know it's five down territory, oh, you got to do this. He checked it down on a fourth and eight, Basinonians. And he couldn't get it done. He threw the ball well in front of the sticks on a fourth and eight. Luke, you can forget about the the depth of that route by Hawkinson. You can forget about that. You can forget about the great tackle by Xavier McKinney. What a great tackle that was. The decision to throw the ball a four-yard out to T.J. Hawkinson. That is going to continue to feed into the he-can't-win-the-big-one narrative that fights Kirk Cousins, and it's not going away anytime soon based on that game. He is now 1-4 in, 
in playoff games. And, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to, you know, erase the one, but remember the one took a wild play at the end of the game to Stephon Diggs, actually, when he was on the Vikings, to, to even get him that one win. Look, to a certain extent, I feel bad for him, too, because that's a tough label, and it's only going to get tougher to it shed. Is. I felt like the end of that game was, here's the Giants. They obviously want to win. They've put a lot into this, but if they lose, they still feel good about where they are. And the Vikings were like, uh, we have to figure out a way to win, and they just tightened up. And, and when you tighten up, you throw short on fourth down with your season on the line. That was his opportunity right there to destroy that narrative. Uh, I don't sit here and point and <laughs> it. it 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 bothers me to see somebody go out there, somebody who's as good as he is, go out there when it matters the most. And he had the opportunity to slay that dragon, man. We all have our dragons. Do we not, my brothers? We all have our dragons to slay. And you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know who you are. You have your dragons just like I do. And I I hate the fact that he had the opportunity to kill it. And now, he just reestablished it. Well, and the other thing, every time I start to feel bad for him, I see that clip of Adam Schefter dancing shirtless with the gold chains, and I'm like, Kirk, you did this to us. You, celebrating a regular season win, did this to us. So, somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. You were right, that was the game of the weekend. There were some really good games over the weekend, but the Giants, man... That team is that team is legit, and Brian Dable probably should win Coach of the Year. Uh, we come back now. The Cardinals have their general manager. What does their coaching search look like? We've seen over the weekend how quickly a new coach can turn things around. Can he do it here? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.